Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. Zwift is interval workouts, training plans, and massive online group rides made fun. Because fun works, and fun gets results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com to try it today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast with a special episode this week. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Joining me like every week, uh, it's Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm good. I'm ready to go, as always. The, the end of the year is coming fast and furious, but it's we've still got a few up. more pods to do, haven't we? Absolutely. First of all... You could swear his legs were pistons as he rides off in the distance. He's up amongst the best the world has seen. He's the pride of all Australia, and though he rides in their regalia, our boy could ride in any country's team. One day he'll make world champion, the surest his name's Anderson, the fastest man who ever rode two wheels. Gotta be unreal. That's right. How do you feel, Phil Anderson? How are you? How do you feel, Phil? Uh, I feel I feel like a, uh, a beer, actually. <laughs> it's that time of the week, but uh, we're just not naming brands. But yeah, yeah, no, that's it. Well, the days are uh, getting longer, and uh, summer's here. It's nice, warm in uh, Melbourne. Yeah, I actually do feel like a beer. <laughs> what we just listened to. That must take you back, and I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but can we somehow take your mind back to 1980, you turned professional, you'd already been in Europe in 79 as an amateur, so you turned pro for a French team, Peugeot, you get off the plane, what was that first sort of month like for you? Because bear in mind, in this day and age now, there's mobile phones, there's internet, there's a plethora of expats including a lot of Australians in Europe, you would have been one of the only Australian professionals then racing and in Europe, period, probably Alan Piper as well. What was it like? Uh, yeah, well, like you said, my, I was there the year before in, in 79 and that was possibly the icebreaker for me because I'd, uh, you know, I, I'd been in Europe, I'd uh, known what it was to be like, you know, living as a, as a serious cyclist in a uh, in a foreign country. But yeah, I was going to meet meet uh, a new bunch of uh, colleagues, workmates. Uh, I knew one of them. I think I knew actually I knew two of them because I knew uh, Robert Miller, and uh, because we'd come through the ACUB together, Philippi, who's now known as Philippa York, and then the other one was Graham Jones, another another Graham Brit, Jones, yeah. yeah, another Brit. So um, yeah, so yeah, I knew those two guys, but other than that. Uh, arrived in Paris and I knew I was only going to be in Paris for a couple of days because we we're going to go to a training camp down the south so and that's where I'd really uh, get to meet all my teammates but uh, yeah pretty daunting but uh, yeah the year before it was real you know I did, spoke very little English I uh, sorry very little <laughs> I still don't speak English correctly but no very little French and um, you know I had no idea really what to expect it was real it was a real sort of um, yeah I was quite anxious about it the first year the yeah. second year yeah stepping up certainly but that dominance of the the European scene and the French language in the peloton must have yeah you say it's a bit daunting but how was it in the team itself because uh, we, we both watched the, the documentary uh, 23 days well, in July or? well I've watched it numerous <laughs> times yeah. I, I steered you Christophe 
have to Absolutely. watch it. And you're like, gee, he's he's got some beef, I think, Phil. Careful. So let's set, yeah, let's set this one right here straight. What's wrong with the French? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, there's uh, nothing wrong with the French. And um, still, you know, my favourite country to ride. And... and uh, uh, I've got many French friends. I mean, that's what you're meant to say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're doing well. This is good. This that's is good. good. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I mean, you're meeting a whole new uh, team of riders. And I'd had a very good year the year before, you know, won heaps of races. And, and by the end of the year, you know, I had, had um, quite some respect in the amateur circles because back then, of course, there was amateurs and pros. And, and you know, I was suddenly stepping up to uh, into the big pond. And, um, yeah, it's like sort of starting over. But having that experience of, of, of living in Paris for a year and, you know, dealing with teammates and, you know, a, a peloton in a foreign country was, um, you know, wasn't new, wasn't old. So, you know, I was, I was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it, but I wasn't real, didn't have any big expectations of, um, you know, of a career. I was still, uh, still pretty much a hobby. That, okay. I was just going to say that, that documentary, because it, it was incredible, really. When we we look back at it now, it was so up close and personal with you and your wife at the time. So th- th- you know, you'd cross the line and you'd you'd say something. You'd say, "Oh, Van der Arden hooked me into the, you know, the the, the off the track or this or that." Whereas now it's it's you know it's sort of like a closed off shop. But what was it like for you back then racing that tour? Because you're on a French team. You were you went into it as the team leader. You'd had success at the Tour de France, so they were. They were really sort of touting you up as potential winner of the Tour de France. And then it was Pascal Simon, correct me if I'm wrong, who went on the attack, got in the yellow, and then, of course, French team, French sponsors, all the support went to him. So when you you think back on that now, what what was it like? Oh, look, I don't try not to dwell on it too much. Uh, I think, you know, I, I didn't think that much of it at the time. Obviously, you know, a film, you know, film production company had gone over there to cover me yeah. and you know i went into the into the tour as one of the favorites and um you know they had to resurrect a story so they really played up i mean you know there was there was some tension there but um you know due to the circumstance and putting it down on film they they put a lot down to uh you know they built it up a little bit more yeah. than it was but um, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> He's lying, by the way. When we go to the pub afterwards, you can tell me the real story. <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean that was obviously uh, a couple of years, three years later than than uh, you know when I first got off the plane because that was in eighty um, three that, that yeah. particular tour that particular tour. So uh, by then I'd uh, you know I'd gained a lot of French friends, <laughs> and uh, you know when I think back to my first tour to France. Um, you know, I had to uh, shake the tree a bit myself. You know, I was meant to be staying with somebody, and I and I did. Yes. You know, it wasn't like I attacked him or anything like that. But uh, you know, I was meant to be with uh, Jean Rene Bernardo. Um, but you know, he was having a bad day, and and uh, in the excitement at all of you know reaching the first mountain and in, in in my first tour to France. I forgot about the instructions. <laughs> I got, and I got with, swept up. You were with I mean, none I, other than Bernardino. Yeah, I yeah. was with the leaders. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, but I remember my director coming up coming up beside the peloton. You know, this is before radios, of course. You know, <laughs> came up beside the peloton and goes, Philippe, Philippe, uh, hey, where's Jean-René? Where's Jean-René? You know, and I said, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I tweaked. 
And I told him, oh, look, you know, I can uh, I can rest up a bit. I'm pretty stuffed here. You know, we've gone over bloody three or four climbs already. And, uh, you know, it was quite a bit more serious than going over the Dandenongs. I was pretty stuffed. <laughs> and uh, and he said, no, 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 you stay there. But he said, you come and see me tonight. <laughs> and then by that night, you had the yellow. By that night, I had the yellow, yeah. yeah. So um, Let's go back to that moment when you got the yellow. Okay? Yes. Uh, when did you realize you were going to get the yellow? And what went through your mind? That's, that's uh, such a, I guess, a high peak of, of your career. Yes, yeah, an early peak. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I knew how races work. The day before this particular stage, I think it was so, that was on stage five. So stage four, we had a team time trial finish, finishing in Carcassonne. Oh, uh, yeah. So it finished on the track there. And uh, our team went pretty well. I think Rally won. And then I think we got second, the, the uh, Peugeot team. And Hino's team, the uh, Renault team, uh, they came in, you know, maybe 30 seconds down or 40 seconds down behind us. I don't think it was a particularly long time trial. And so when we got to the, uh, we get to the um, mountains the next day uh, and it went finished at a ski resort. And I had no idea, you know, I'd, I'd done a few efforts on Glefferie Road. <laughs> Before you left. That's right. You know, a few, uh, few repetitions. Yeah, a few reps. Had you ridden in the mountains, the Pyrenees or the Alps, uh, before? No. Cause the, no. Like I, to our do. listeners, and I, I guess this is modern time, but much sure back then, but not too many bike races in France are raced in the Alps or the Pyrenees, apart from Tour de France, are they? No. No, normally it's Dolphin A, but I didn't yeah. have to do the Dolphin A. I don't know why, because it was too you hard. Know, I was yeah, too hard. No, we'll let him. We'll let him. We'll crack him in the, in the, in the, in the tour. But um, you know, I had had a pretty good year. I won three or four races leading into the Tour de France. That's why they selected me. But um, you know, they didn't put me in the uh, in the A team leading up to it. So yeah, there I was in the uh, start line, and you know, whittled down as we went up, and I was given a um, a blast by the director for not waiting for Jean Anne. I continued, and uh, you know pretty exciting going down those descents <laughs> um and then uh, i got to the last climb and loosen van imp attacked from the bottom the others looked to me i mean there's quickie on there was a handful of other riders and they all looked to me you know the new kid in the block will let him chase he's a newbie <laughs> yeah <laughs> no way and so did you no. you just followed and no, you know was followed, there yeah. and, then, yeah. and then um I think uh, Quickie on attacks, you know, went after him. I stuck to Hino's wheel. And then, um, you know, Blairo went straight past uh, Quickly on. I stuck on him. And then it was us as two of us. Of course, um, Lucen. Vanny won the stage. Uh, the Belgian was still up the road. So, uh, yeah, it ended up just Hino and I. And, you know, you go across the line. And I figured I was, yeah, I figured that I was going to be in yellow. I wasn't sure how many seconds behind. Uh, you know, his team had finished in the team time trial, but uh, I figured that I think the bonification on the top of the stage was maybe, you know, the difference between second and third because Hino got second, I got third, was only maybe only five seconds, but I think we, we'd beaten him, so I knew I was going to get the jersey. But I didn't, I didn't realise uh, the consequences of getting a jersey, you know. I got the that, jersey that... before in other races, yeah. you know, <laughs> the Peninsula check... three-day tour, for yeah. example. <laughs> But because I've seen you in several documentaries after that, but you you mentioned that it changed your life. Oh, absolutely! I mean, I was an alien. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, like it's hard to imagine which country. When when now the Tour de France is so international. Back then, you know, there were you know there was, there were there were mostly Europeans. They were all, you know, I think Jacques Boyer was there, the, yep. the American um, kid. He was there, but other than him. He was the only only other non-European there, you know. 
So yeah. it was, so, yeah. yeah. You were, I mean, there, it wasn't like, did you, did you ever congregate uh, with any of the English speakers? Oh, look, You know, at the start of the stage, or like, was it stick together, or? Everybody except Sean Kelly, because nobody can understand him. <laughs> <laughs> we still can't. <laughs> the Irishman. Like, I heard after, uh, I think it was after that tour, somebody said, Oh, Sean Kelly was in the race. I said, you're kidding. Like, I'm starved <laughs> to speak English to anybody. You know, Jones and Sherwin. Yeah, he's and, got a pretty thick accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, in, in France, they call him Sin Kelly. Sin At the time, on the whole commentary, they go, oh, and here comes Sin, Sin Kelly. Kelly. Sin <laughs> Kelly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, um, yeah, but we did congregate from time to time, yeah. uh, possibly later, because I think in those early days, they didn't have the village. You know, the village is, is a nice area where you can kind of break out, and you'll sometimes yeah. see the Aussies or the Colombians, whatever, um, catching up with each other which is good you know because in the race you know you see it you've all sort of got a job and there's a bit more tension in the, in the thing but um yeah before the stage always good to um chill in the in the village with the aussies you know we've, we've got a question about you know yeah and it is you'll know this photo it's that classic famous photo in Paris nice you're in the breakaway with you know sean kelly in fact as well and then of course there's protesters across the road they stop you guys, and I think at that time Miller was in the lead in in the jersey, and you'd sort of cracked him or Hino had, so Hino was full gas. And the photo is you in the background with someone's got their hand on you, and Eno with his fist back about to belt someone on the noggin. Tell us about that moment because <laughs> it's it's an iconic photo, and <clears throat> and it's going to live. Forever. Forever, isn't it? It's yeah. an amazing moment. But tell us about that moment. What can you remember about it? Uh, well, yeah, it was uh, it was down the south of France, so in the last day, uh, a couple of days out from Nice. So it's in March. And, um, yeah, we're racing along. And I think the uh, we had word from the motorbikes that there was a, um, a strike, a manifestation by the farmers, I think the potato farmers, Bloody potato farmers. Potato farmers. Bloody potato farmers. <laughs> and they let Sean Kelly... Bad joke, Actually, Sean Kelly said, sorry to interrupt you for a second, but Kelly, there's a quote from Kelly said, we just stood back and let Hino to it <laughs> because he went in swinging, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they'd done is they dropped a uh, heap of potatoes over the road, like truckloads of potatoes, right. uh, thinking that would uh, upset the bunch, but we were, we were getting through it. And when the farmers saw that we were getting through it, uh, they grabbed us from the bikes. Ah. And one of them grabbed Hino, um, uh, for what I can remember, and uh, yeah, grabbed me as well. And everybody, like you know, the last thing you, you're thinking of uh, when you're racing in the closing kilometres of a race is to be standing around fighting with, yeah. with a bunch yeah. of yeah. spectators. <laughs> like one of you going along at 50 k's an hour, you know, thinking about the finish and how it's going to look and anticipating, um, you know, the tactics and, yeah. you know, teammate, you know, because Miller was on my team and he, you know, slipped from the jersey and, oh, you know, i got to try and slow down the pace, which was good because uh, this was slowing yes. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like holding people back. No, and, he, you know, he was furious. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but it's wild, you know. Occasionally something like that would uh, seal you would happen and, you know, you'll get back on your bike and, and uh, you know, have a good story get to tell it, it yeah. around the table at night. <laughs> <laughs> how, or 20, how, 30 years later. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 40 years. When you look back at this era, you know, you know there was, you know, Lemon, all, all these all this sort of people. Do you sort of not pinch yourself you were there, but do you realise how important this era is for, for the cycling even today? Uh, yeah, look, it's it's changed an awful lot. Uh, you know, we used to get up some big shenanigans and uh, you just couldn't see it happening now. And I think a lot of it is, you know, the the pressure from the sponsors. I mean, the budgets were, 
you know, were reasonable back then, but, uh, you know, not like, you know, the big teams now, multi, you know, million dollar uh, budgets for the teams and that. And, you know, if you tipped a heap of money into, um, into a team and see the guys goofing around and, you know... We did some silly stuff. <laughs> we've got, that, that's that's we've for got the part later as well. Yeah, yeah that's sounds. another story, I think. Another story. Um, but we all used to stop on the road and and get on the ground and, and like a crash, like two days out from Paris, we'd say, let's have a crash. Yeah. You know, you only do this <laughs> like a the, pretend one. A pretend crash. You only do this in the, in the last couple of days because, you know, everybody, in the first week, everybody thinks they're going to win a stage or the tour. But we just... You know, we'd all lie on the ground. And what, lie on the ground there, for, uh, what, you know, 20 minutes or... Suddenly the helicopter would come back and, you know... The, oh, my or, God. You know, when it's raining, we'd all stop under a bridge and say, oh, this sucks, you know, this is crazy, you know. <laughs> and I guess the... there wasn't live picks all the time then. No, So no, the cameras yeah, weren't got, always no, there, there, so you no could sort of... No, selfie sticks back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You but, could you get know, away we'd, with we'd it. we'd be going along behind, you know, uh, was it John... Mar- no, Levitar was the uh, director of the race. You know, we'd be going along in a bloody procession behind the race car and he'd be up there waving like the bloody queen you know 100 meters in front of his race and uh we'd all go up a side street <laughs> and he'd look around and go where's my race gone <laughs> oh, there, a gone. Ago. but um you know you just couldn't imagine that sort of stuff now yeah but um yeah i mean there was you know there's obviously very serious times too but uh you know, we used to let our hair down from time to time. Apart from the Tour of France and your exploits there, and I've got your list of, I know a lot of them, but there's ones I didn't know. I can't believe I didn't can, know can, this. Can we actually recap the whole uh, Palmares? Yeah. You've got it in front of you. This will take me about a minute. This isn't a whole Palmares, by the way. No, but no. for our <laughs> listeners, respect a lot of you by saying, of course you know who Phil Anderson is and his exploits, and we've talked about him. But here we are, 81, 10th in the Tour, your first Tour. 82 5th and the white jersey, 83 9th, 84 10th, 85 5th. Two stages in the tour, two in the Giro. And then this is what you won outside of that Dauphine, Swiss, Romandy, Tour of Med, Denmark, Sweden, Nissan Tour of Ireland, I believe. My wife worked on that, by the way. Oh. Kellogg's Tour of Britain, Copia Bartoli. I've ridden that race, tough race, and Setamana Catalana. Uh, which doesn't exist anymore. The last guy to win that, by the way, is Alberto Contador, to put it in context. You then won Amstel Gold, of course, one of the biggest wins. Zurich, which was a big one-day race back then. So too Frankfurt twice, Grand Prix Frankfurt. Paris Tours, Milan Torino, second in Flanders twice. We'll get to that in a second. Second, third, and fourth in Liège, Baston Liège. Third in Lombardia, second in Gent-Wevelgem. And I'm sure I've missed a few. Uh, so I've got one question. What happened in Paris-Roubaix? Oh, that was always one I was trying to dodge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we Whenever couldn't see. We weren't high on the results there. <laughs> no, We're no, like, because uh, I think the two years I did well in – no, not the two years. It was in 85 and I think maybe 83. I don't know. Whenever I went well in Flanders – they would all the director would say, "Phil, Phil, come on, you got to do Roubaix." Because <laughs> it's always been a week later. Yeah, it's correct. Been a week yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, but I was always trying to dodge it. You know, I was always that. That used to be a week before Liège as well. They were all the, close the, together, weren't they? Yeah, a lot because now closer. Sam's still in there. So, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, the weekend after the weekend after uh, Roubaix was Liège best on Liège. So, and I, I always, you know, that that race suited me. Uh, better more than the uh, than Roubaix, so I'd always like uh, no, I can't be on the roster for that. <laughs> I'm going to go and do my recce of, uh, of uh, Liège, and by the end of the, you know, after doing I don't know 15 or whatever it was uh, Liège, Bastogne, Liège, I knew it like the back of my hand, but I'd still use that 
as a as, as, as a reason a, to get out of it as yeah, an yeah. excuse. But that's true. Like Maka, you mentioned, you know, we all the Palmares, but we remember you for the yellow jersey, the first yeah. non-European. Yeah, yeah. Is that frustrating for you? See, oh, think, not really. I mean, done... I never realised, um, you know, what a what an impact that would ha- have. You know, we always bangs on about the yellow jersey, and I didn't. You know, I wasn't really big big on the history. You know, non sort of non-European history. I figured, oh, there would have been other Aussies or English, or not English, but you know, other Ex- non-Europeans who'd, who'd uh, got it. You know, and it wasn't really until possibly I don't know, possibly some journalist or something mentioned it, but I wasn't. Yeah, you weren't aware of it. On, no, I wasn't aware of it. it. wasn't. You know, I've never tried to be sort of the first Aussie or the first non-European or anything like that. But people make a big yeah. fuss about it, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, in hindsight. It was big because, yeah. you know, it was a, a couple of years after me and Le Monde. Would have been Le Monde, yeah, I would have thought, Le Monde, yeah. Yeah, but then remember Alex Steeder, that was in 84. Yes, he got the yellow. He got the yellow. Yeah. Early on, he got away. Gee, so you beat him. You beat the Yanks to it. Yeah, <laughs> nice work, Phil. <laughs> yeah, they'll line up behind me, though. <laughs> Sorry, I'll go to one other result you had, and I was going to go to this, and then we reeled off the CV. You were seventh in the Giro, and it was a. Interesting year that year in '87, and I followed this this year so closely. Roach got the triple crown. He won the Giro, the Tour, and then the World Championships. And back then, that's what they called it in cycling, the triple crown. You were seventh overall. Roach rode for an Italian team. Roberto Vicentini, I think, was leading. Roach took the lead off his Italian teammate, riding for an Italian team. And I've asked Stephen about this off camera. At the tour, not that long ago, actually, I said, what was it like when you won the Giro? Because there was a lot of tension. Oh, it was brutal. And he said, I got straight in the car at the on the final stage, and he said, I went straight out of Italy. I got the hell out of Italy. You were there, and you were high on GC as a, as a non-Italian as well. What what was that tension like for Stephen Roach? Oh, it was pretty awful. You know, like you'd be going up those climbs, and he'd, he'd be in the middle of the road, and... Uh, did, trying to think if Lamont did that year but I remember you know we'd all be on the, you know we knew that we'd be taking the brunt people would be spitting on us and you're spitting on him but you know and you'd be copying <laughs> did you did um, you the English riders or, or I guess the expats did you sort of you went on the same team as Stephen but did you try and rally around him a little bit yeah I mean it was you know we were all excited that uh, you know in the position he was in I don't think I think Byzantini ended up stopping that that tour that Geo yeah. but um but anyway, uh, yeah, we we sort of rallied around him, but you know we couldn't ride as teammates. Um, well, firstly, we couldn't keep up with him when the critical <laughs> moment. But you know, he's a good time trialer too, so that was that was always um, you know important for for Steve. But um, yeah, a great rider, possibly underrated, you know, but um, you know, a smart rider. Yeah. So very different from your time, Maka, because you won the stages with your Phil's got two, you've got one. <laughs> I know I've got zero. Yeah, well, you know, you know what I thought about? When I saw you got seventh overall, and this is really bad because that's an incredible result. You know that, and I know that. I wouldn't swap my stage win for seventh because, sadly, we celebrate mostly the victories, and we, we don't sort of celebrate, oh, yeah, seventh, wow, massive. No. When seventh in a grand tour yep. is huge. It's huge. But I wouldn't swap my stage win, no. even though it's probably not worth as much. It's actually worth a bit more in, in currency, isn't it? Uh-huh. It's crazy. And, and ironically, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know you, you'd, you'd run top 10. Yeah, um, no, I used to love riding in Italy. So, mm. uh, Vuelta, you've never... Never raced the Vuelta, no. Why? Uh, Habla Espanol. I raced, <laughs> I raced a 
bit in in uh, Spain. The, the Vuelta was always in spring when I was doing my career, so it was always uh, you go straight from sort of the Amstel, basically you go over and you do the Vuelta. So I think my goal, you know, I was always sort of aiming for, um, you know, always aiming for the Tour, but, uh, you know, sometimes the Giro. But, yeah, I don't know. I always seem to go well in Spain. Like I won heaps of races in Spain. I think it's just because of the Spanish aren't that fast. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you see some, didn't guys, have big sprinters, you see some guys who are average sprinters. Do you regret it today to not have done at least uh, one? Well, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, it'd be nice because now I go over there, I take people over there um, to the Vuelta. I just got back recently. So, um, yeah, I, I like Spain, mm-hmm. you know, but... Um, yeah, it's different signing, signing on the other side of the fence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I love the food, love the people, you know, enthusiastic. I mean, now the Vuelta's in a nice time of year. Yeah. Most of my memories of of, the, of racing in Spain is in the rain. Yeah. You know, in, the Yeah, because was, it was April, land. wasn't it? Yeah, even, Around, in, yeah. even in Catalonia, there, you know, one of few races in Catalonia and, and racing in the snow and stuff, you know? Yeah, you don't... Quite don't often I won it. because everybody else fell off or something, you know, in the snow, <laughs> you know, I was reasonably... I'm sure that's not entirely true. <laughs> um, as as Maka was running out your, your CV, is there one that stands out more than anything? Because we all, again, we all think about that yellow jersey, the first yellow jersey in 81 and so on, but is there anything that stands out for you personally? Well, getting the yellow jersey is certainly uh, career-defining, but... Um, the, t- the year I, I uh, won Parry Tour, that was big because I was coming back from an injury. You know, I had like a um, a condition, an arthritic condition in my back uh, through 86. And so, um, you know, at, at the very end of the end of the season, I was actually leading, you know, the, the back then it was called the Super Prestige. I was leading it until Lombardy and I couldn't start Lombardy because I had this bloody problem. And, and then you lost? You, lost it. In the yeah. yeah. And I, for our I, listeners, that's equivalent of the world tour, but yeah. it was way more prestigious, it I've got to say, because as a yeah. kid back then, I used to follow the standings, the Super Prestige, um, and it was basically a bunch of races, probably yeah, a lot yeah. more than what there is now. Yeah, too. No, because it carry, all carries points. Yes. And back yeah. then, then they were starting to add up, the, tally up the points for the teams to qualify for certain races and things like that you know so basically the points that you got uh tallied up was basically like that indicated your value yes yeah yeah Yeah, it was was worth a lot more wasn't it the points whereas now of course it is but it's the victories almost overshadow the the points i've got one one other question in 94 you rode in uh, motora there was uh, lance armstrong there as well that, was that, that it, other American. It does other yeah. American. Was he always uh, special? Well, what recollection do you, do you have want, of him? Is there, no, is there another stronger no, word we'll you stick, want to we'll say? stick with special. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, his character, I his guess. Character. Aside yeah. of what we know, yeah. did anyone ever think that he was going to uh, no. do what he did? No. He was always uh, very forward, though, and very brash. Yeah. Uh, the first time I met him was in the uh, San Francisco airport. We were just coming in for a training camp at Santa Rosa. It was his first year. Uh, on the team and I was dozing at the back of the bus uh, because I'd just come from Australia and he'd just come from where it was he gets on the bus he comes straight down towards me marching down he goes Phil Anderson and he just started bloody banging off like these results you've got banging off bloody all these results what I'd done in my career and no way and and, uh, I can't believe I'm on the team with you and you know oh can we be roomies and just going on and on and on you know and then like I was pretty tired from the flight and he gets right next to me like this is an empty bus <laughs> <laughs> and he gets right next to me 
like just out of my lap, right in my space, you know. I don't know what my breath felt like after a lot <laughs> flight. And he gets right in my face and he says, yeah. And what's I hear about, I hear about you, you've left your wife and all this. Had gone through <laughs> a messy divorce. He said, what? he said, Phil, my mum's just gone through the same. She's come to the, the rest day on the training camp. You guys, you know. <laughs> no way. No Trying to way. hook me up with his mum. Well, what did you say? Well, were you just sort of still rubbing your eyes, waking up? Were you just like, what's just happened to you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It was a, it was a blast. But anyway, um, you know, we were, we were. So did you, well, you didn't hook up with his wife, obviously. No, no <laughs> his, his mum, I should say. Sorry, no, his wife neither. But, <laughs> but uh, no, nah, look, uh, he was fine. Like, obviously, you know, his career took a different path. Um, you know, it, as we got into the nineties, uh, but. Yeah, he's a fun kid, and uh, you know you could see once he sort of uh, applies himself to something, he was great to ride within the team. It'd be a prick to ride against. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah but, I think plenty found that out. Yeah, I think, yeah, that, yeah. I think that was that word we were looking for. Yeah, that's the word <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were yeah. looking for. Yeah, you were looking for. Yeah. Yeah, 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 more mongrel than what you need to be. Yeah. Yeah. I got another question for you, and this is like these urban myths that I, I remember hearing over the years as a kid. And I remember hearing once, and it was either yourself or Greg Lamond or both of you. Because, as we know, Greg was also a, a real trailblazer and, a, I guess, an innovator in professional cycling. I've heard this story that you both, or one of you, went into your contract negotiations when you'd, you'd had a big year and, obviously, you were sought after. Teams wanted you, and you were one of the first riders ever to walk into that meeting with a lawyer to then negotiate. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh after my first tour, actually, and it was on the advice from Greg's dad. Now, Greg hadn't hadn't really? uh, hit the big time yet. He was he was still uh, it was his first year pro, I think. Yeah, and um, you know, still had a reasonable year. He, uh, he won a stage in the Tour de la or something. But anyway, it was it it was a uh, a bit of a shock for the team. In fact, it made headlines the next day in the paper. <laughs> that, oh, that, that you'd I, taken that a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah no, it was me. And, wow. um, you know, but that was the advice from uh, Bob, Greg, Greg's, Greg's dad, dad, you know, because they're all about American sports and everything. Yeah. And I went in with a, uh, quite a reputable, you know, with a lawyer from a reputable co- company that represents all the Formula One drivers out of Paris, you know, because the officers of Peugeot, my team, were in Paris, so yeah. um, their offices were virtually next door. So I went and had a meeting with them <laughs> right before having a, going into the thing, and, and uh, you know, they, I think, I think my opening salary, you know, my first year and leading into my second year because of a two-year uh, contract, I think it was, uh, I think it was four thousand francs. So it's like a thousand dollars, a little bit over twelve hundred. As a first-year pro, first-year pro, that's Jesus. a salary. That's wow. a salary per month. Okay, yeah, oh, per, and, then, yeah. and then. I think when I went in with the lawyers, they came in and they said, we'll give you 6,000, 6,000 French francs. So we'll give you 1,500 bucks a month. Yeah. And my lawyer just said, um, you know, I, uh, I think he said, I pay my, my secretary or uh, three or four times that. Yeah. And uh, here you've got somebody that's, uh, you know, going to take your team to war next year at the tour uh, for, you know, a quarter of what you're offering, you know, sort of thing. And know? so then they, they, yeah, quick, they all quickly made the pay, re- all made the pay and they'll keep, you know. It's just crazy. <laughs> How dare you. So it wasn't even yeah. myth, it was true. No, so... These uh, stories, you realise, they filtered back to Australia yeah. back then or, you know, over time, being in the cycling bubble, yeah. as you know I have been for my, most of my life, but yeah, they all uh, filtered yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... What 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 look do you have today on modern cycling, modern competition, and and actually I'll extend this question to what do you think of Eagle Banner as a as a as a winner of a Grand Tour? I think it's uh, I think it's good. I think it's great for for the team, Enios team, because 
you know, uh, towards the end, well, not towards the end, the last few years, you know, the, the, uh, the Sky team were just so dominant. And, um, you know, and we just sort of things fall aside this year uh, with with Froome having his accident. I think it was in the Dolphin A, was it? Yes, yeah, Dolphin having A, yeah. his accident there and, and um, you know, just the way things happened, it was a little out of control for the for the team you know and they thought oh you know we'll go for stages or whatever but but no, I was just there and and um you know Ella Philippe sort of took the pressure off off uh off the team and yeah no this year was was really exciting um and more generally what what look do you have on modern cycling you know when you see the uh, uh, how big I it think became it's, I think it's entertaining I think uh the classics are fantastic because Simply because you know you go back to ground zero every day. I mean, quite often you've got the, the same suspects fighting for the for the uh, bread at the end of the day. But um, you know, it's not like you know you see somebody building up in a in some minimal lead. Like Is that because Christoph? Before we came in, Christoph said to me, "What sort of rider would Phil be in this day and age right now?" And I said, "Well, it's hard to explain, as we all know, because it, you can't compare errors really. What sort of rider would you be if you were racing right now?" Oh, jeez, I don't know. Possibly a little bit of a few riders, but... Um, uh, a Flanders yeah. winner? Flanders <laughs> winner, yeah. You know, that so was many, the one which, that got away, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to say maybe uh, a percentage of me would be like Sagan. You know, good, but, you know, he doesn't... Yeah. I mean, I was... I was a contender a few times for the um, for the Tour de France, but in retrospect... I wasn't, you know. I was. You have to be positive when you go into those things, and uh, you know you have to be a fighter. Uh, and you and you're leading, you know, a, t- a team of guys that they're bloody um, crucifying themselves for you. So you have to go in coffee. You have to go in as a winner, um, you know. But at the end of it, you know, was I ever going to win a tour? I I don't know. You know, I don't think so. You know, whether bloody. Pascal Simon had a broken collarbone or same team, you know. Bloody I mean, for French. Me, <laughs> Bloody for French. Me, I'm fair. Yeah, yeah. It's always like for me, it's two against one here. Me, what, what do you think I left? <laughs> the, for me, it was a fairy tale. You know, for me, it was like every day was better than the last. You know, it wasn't like, you know, some, you know, I, was, I, was, I had spent a bit of time recently with Danny Clark. And, oh, you know, he's so frustrated at this and that. I'm not frustrated. I have so many great memories of it and made so many friends. And yeah. and, uh, and, and massive success. Yeah. I mean, if I won 10% of the races I won, I'd still be, oh, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> it great. yeah, yeah. And I just feel very fortunate. And, um, you know, so few, peop- few people get, get to be able to do that. And yeah. I still, you know, love it. I still love riding my bike and... You know, it's, uh, do you watch the tour every year? Do you are you at the tour? You, oh, you mentioned you go look, to Spain. I, um, you know, quite often I'm over there uh, with a group, uh, leading some uh, some people around. Um, but if I'm home, I watch the highlights package. Mm-hmm. I admit, and if with I miss the, the highlights package, <laughs> I watch the uh, three minute. And now you listen to the podcast, you know? Yeah, now <laughs> I've got the podcast. Catch up on all the dirt. <laughs> who was who was your So I'm going back a bit here. It's probably a question I should have asked at the start. Who was your hero when you were when you when you headed went to Europe? Because you said about when you raced against Eno initially, and that and you're like, gee, I was looking up to these guys. But who was sort of the hero for you? You know, as you're getting um, ready to go. To yeah, Europe? I mean, when I went over there, I mean, before I went over, I I um, I read Mockridge's book, My yeah, World right. on Wheels. I think it's yep. called. Yeah, great book. 
you know, it, it sort of prepared me. I think it was before I went over as an amateur, you know, because racing here, you know, you've got handicaps and club races and things like that. And you, you know, you, just, you try and, I mean, it's different now. <laughs> you know, everybody goes over there, they're an expert before they get there. But for yeah. me, I didn't know anything. So, uh, you know, you try and find information. You go down, you know, I grew up here in Melbourne, so I went down to the Q Library on the microfish machine trying to find where the body, where the books are. <laughs> no books here. You go to Ball and you go, you know, you go to the city, oh, no try way. and find information about it. There's nothing, nothing. <laughs> you know, how to race a bike. I don't know. But anyway, finally I got one of Mockridge's old books and read that, you know, Ted Sanders. And that is an book. incredible yeah. book, isn't and it? It's a great it's, book and yeah. it sort of prepared me a little bit. You know, I couldn't believe guys would get up the road and the tour and be away from. 15 minutes in front because, you know, all we had was handicaps here. You can imagine break, breaking away, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, yeah. On, a, on some handicap and being away 15 minutes in front just doesn't happen. But um, So it was great reading uh, that uh, before going over there. So when I got over there, I knew the names like Merckx and, and Vlamic and Lucen Van Imp and um, I'd known, uh, you know, obviously he'd won the tour. Um, I think he won 79 I think he won an 80 anyway yeah so you know I knew guys like that but you know Merckx was like you know an easy sort of an easy an easy answer you know it's kind of but he'd he'd uh, retired I think he retired in 79 or even 78 so uh, but when I got there the faces I'd look around the the uh, peloton I'm looking at oh yeah geez you know there's you know I knew he know Jan Russ yep uh, Zeta Zeta milk, Zeta Zeta milk, yeah, 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 milk, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can feed him out, Yup, you know. Um, uh, yeah, Devlamic, yeah, was there. It's always a common debate, and and I think many of us say, well, you can't, you can't pick just one because the errors are so different. But do you, in your mind, do you have a greatest, the greatest ever cyclist? You mentioned Merckx a lot. I mean, yeah, he's I mean, always hot on the lips, isn't Merckx, he? Yeah, he's an he's a standout. Yeah, he's a standout. But guys during my career, I mean, Greg is obviously very talented, Greg LeMond. Um, you know, there's a few guys who kind of fly, fly under the radar, like uh, Didi Turu, a German guy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. He's a world pursuit champion, maybe. Um, then there's uh, guys like Argentine, yeah. Marin, Marino Argentine, uh, Moser. He was also, when I, when I was there, and, and Argentine too, all these names. You know, they're all very... Stylish riders, you know, riders like, oh, geez, Jan Russ is he's chewing gum. Maybe that's his secret. You know, I'll chew gum tomorrow. That helps. You know, I reckon it's chewing tobacco. Yeah. The Freula- Dutch don't mind a bit of tobacco. <coughs> yeah, 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 it's true. It's yeah. true. Like yeah, baseball. Put it up under there yeah, anyway. Yeah. But what, what, um, what do you think of Eno? Because Eno, you know, we got off to a pretty bad start. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we got yeah. off to a pretty bad start. So I remember it was in uh, in my first tour. We're going up the mountain. I, like, this is all new to me, going up a mountain with all these guys in, in the pointy end of a race. And it was a pretty warm day. I think we were on, like, uh, Perisud, yeah. I think, which they're doing next year. Yeah. Tour. Going up Perisud. And I noticed that the riders, there's kind of etiquette there. People people would grab a, uh, a drink from the side of the road. You know, that somebody would open up a frosty can or something, hand it to a rider, and he'd pass it right across the front, you know. It was one of the uh, benefits of being at the front because they're all empty by that time. <laughs> Most of them come by. And I remember seeing that and grabbing a, uh, it was a frosty Coke, and uh, I was about to take a sip, just about so cold, cold just stuck in my hand. I looked over and I saw Hino next to me. 
And he didn't look like the you know I had on my wall back here in in uh, my bedroom back here. It was he had bloody froth coming out here. He had snot coming out of his nose. Oh, he was sweating something. I barely recognised him, you know. And I take this coke as a gesture and I hand it over to him. And he looked at me and he never he couldn't remember. I actually met him the year before when I was amateur, but he looked at me like I was somebody from a spectator or something that had jumped in, you know. I yeah. could have been one guy <laughs> running, 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 running beside running him, you know. And he looks at me in my coat. You know, my jersey was long, you know, a bit scraggy. <laughs> and he and he hit the coke out of my hand like this, you know. I thought, oh. My coke. <laughs> so he started on a bad leg, on a, on a bad foot, you know. And, and then, then you took the yellow off him. <laughs> took the yellow, you took the yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One call later. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it didn't go down too well. And then, you know, uh, the next day we had a time trial, first time trial on the Tour de France. I got third. So oh, he, I, was, he I was wearing the jersey. You were wearing the yellow. Yeah, I was wearing the and and uh, yeah, he beat me. I think uh, Kniedemann might have won it. He's only got third, first TT. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the power that the yellow gives you. That's the power. It's that, you true. Know, people yeah. talk about the strength. You know, like Al Philippe. You know, he put in a time trial yeah. also in pole this year. Yes, yeah. But, uh, so that was no, pole. Yeah, yeah, pole. yeah. I think oh. it was the last time there was a time yeah. trial there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Note yourself. Uh, it was a pleasure actually meeting you. First time I'm meeting you. Uh, it was a pleasure for you, for, for me to, uh, to to see you in this podcast. Do you have any other questions? No. It was. It's always a pleasure, Phil. You know that for me. And and unlock some urban myths because knowing you as long as I have, there's some things I'd I've, I didn't know about you, and I'd, no, I'd you never would have asked been just you. A kid when and I I'm not scared to. Began. But uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Thanks okay. for coming in. Thank you. Uh, this was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, it's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout-out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. With training plans, interval workouts, group rides and a global community to motivate you, level up and become a stronger rider. Give people a ride on and you're sure to get one back as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today for your free trial.